Hello, and welcome to the Objective Health Show. I am your host today, Erica, and joining me in the virtual studio is Doug, Elliot, James, and behind the wheels of steel, Damien. So welcome all. Hi, everybody. Glad we can meet here again in this uh, virtual studio. So today, uh, we're going to talk about some stuff from way back, but that may have some current implications. And this is the world of synthetic biology or SynBio. So in the past, uh, we've done a show similar for those that are listening now. If you'd like to go back and check out our show, uh, Objective Health number 30, um, Gene Tech, What the Heck, that was 2019. And now we're in 2021. And um, I was just looking around at this, uh, being in the organic farming world, I always kind of come back and check in on where things are going. And for those who may not be in informed in this area, the whole GMO thing has kind of like uh, disappeared, uh, under gone uh, unregulated or untalked about since the um, California potential proposal of labeling and that never really happened. And then we kind of just saw all this stuff kind of go under the radar. So on this show, sometimes other than talking about COVID, <laughs> we look back at things that may uh, pique interest. And so for those that are unfamiliar with what synthetic biology is, um, it's a pretty powerful technology. Um, some refer to it as GMO 2.0 or genetic modification on steroids. Um, there's really like no agreed upon definition. It, it kind of encompasses all this new um, extreme engineering, uh, what I like to call, and Catherine Austin Fitz calls it creepy tech. <laughs> and mm. so um, basically we, we kind of saw GMOs go into the area of gene drives. And we've seen this in the last couple of years with like a genetically modified mosquito to fight malaria. And so I just think it's interesting to kind of come back to it because um, when doing research for this show, I couldn't really find anything current. So a lot of the uh, articles that we're gonna reference today are actually from as far back as 2007. And so this is just when this type of tech was being invested in and people were going wild about the potentials. And what brought it on my radar is that just this year, two women received the Nobel Peace Prize in chemistry for CRISPR-9 technology. And CRISPR-9, I would say, falls into that SynBio um, area. And uh, I found it very interesting. It was two women, um, but you didn't really see it get a lot of press. And uh, you, know, you would think two women win this, uh, all of a sudden everyone should be covering it, look at all these great things. And that is always a big red flag for me because there's something creepy going on here. What do you guys think? You think that uh, it just disappeared? I know Doug and I were talking about <laughs> it. You think they just up and decided, well, maybe tinkering with the genetic code of uh, organisms and humans might not be such a good idea. What do you guys think? I don't think that it's disappeared at all. <laughs> In fact, I think that it's one of the reasons it's kind of flying under the radar is because it is so pervasive at this point that it's almost like not, because it's not novel anymore, it's kind of just 
uh, integrated into everything that we know. I mean, you look at uh, all the fake foods that are coming out right now. I mean, that's essentially, you know, like lab-grown meat, um, all this different kind of stuff, impossible foods. You know, like half, we were even talking before the show about the fact that a lot of even the supplements that are on the market are actually um, examples of some of this synthetic biology where they've tweaked, you know, yeast or other kind of microorganisms to produce substances um, and, you know, some of these are just like, you know, food flavorings and things like that. I know orange flavoring, grapefruit flavoring, uh, vanilla, they, they found ways to get um, bacteria to produce um, these fake substances that um, have these flavors. But yeah, I mean, there was a huge scandal back, I think, in the 90s where um, they were producing, um, what was it, tryptophan uh, via these uh, uh, yeast cells, I believe. And um, there was a big scandal because there was a contaminated batch that ended up making people sick, might have even killed some people. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it's, it's just, it's so integrated now. It's, it, it basically is everywhere. So you don't really see articles about synthetic biology because it's just kind of like the way things are done now. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It sounds like uh, the the difference between genetically modified or genetic engineering and synthetic biology, the way I, under, I understand it, is that a genetic genetic engineering is taking an existing species like corn, for instance, and splicing genes in from a different organism, mm -hmm. um, you know, like a bacteria to to produce a, a, a pesticide that kills pests that would eat it, or splicing in a gene that makes it resistant to an herbicide. Uh, so that you can spray the crop, the field down with herbicides and the weeds will die, but the crops won't die. So s synthetic biology, and correct me if I'm wrong, is basically uh, mixing and matching and creating a new, entirely new organism, like a, a new species of yeast that, um, or, or a new species of bacteria. In the example of the yeast, a new species of yeast that produces, you know, the molecule that creates the flavor of vanilla so i could see from the corporate world how this would be seen as just a, a boon because instead of having to you know grow vanilla beans and extract the vanilla and you know deal with all of those pesky farmers who want to be paid for their work they can <laughs> uh, grow huge vats of this uh frankenstein yeast that's created in a lab just feed it sugar it produces the vanilla flavoring they can skim it off and bottle it up and send it out to um, consumers or put it into baked goods and uh, it's as far as i can tell it's being marketed as a natural product or a, a sustainable food product because it's um, you know produced by a living organism so therefore it's uh, they're, they're marketing it as something natural, which I think any, anybody, it seems like a stretch to call that natural. I don't mm -hmm. know what you guys think. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. For, for those that may not knew, know too, you can actually look on your products because it's actually called Vanillin, L-I-N, instead of vanilla. So if you at least know what you're looking for, you can see it. And um, I agree with you, James, very much so. 
Um, in one of our articles, uh, Synthetic Biology, the Next Generation of Genetic Engineering, and this was in 2013, they talked about how the SynBio market was estimated to be worth about $10.8 billion by 2016. And uh, between 2005 and 2010, the US government alone um, invested $430 million on biology uh, related research. And uh, getting to what you were saying, James, they spent $0 on environmental risk assessment. So what creating these kind of Frankenstein organisms, like what is the risk on the environment and people for sure, because like GMOs that came out in the nineties, we still don't, we're about 30 years in and, you know, speaking of the Roundup Ready corn and stuff, they, you know, found that it could produce those pesticides in your gut. And, and so we don't really know because there's no, at least in the US, uh, there's no regulation. There's no precautionary principle applied. Uh, it's just mad science. Run amok with a lot of money. Yeah. It kind of, it's kind of crazy too. It makes me think of, you know, that writer from The Guardian, um, George Wambio, um, was quoted recently. Well, not that recently at this point now. It was probably within the last couple of years. How he thinks that, you know, farming is essentially going to be a thing of the past. Um, that basically all of our food is going to be grown in vats, grown in labs, all these kinds of things. And he's talking about it enthusiastically. He's talking about how great it's going to be that, you know, we don't have to worry about, you know, rely on this dirty farming practice anymore. We're going we're gonna to have these, uh, you know, factories essentially pumping out our proteins and all these sorts of things, lab-grown meat, uh, all these different you know it's really like something out of like the jetsons or something like that we're all going to have these like food pills that uh replace all our um you know dirty things like having to eat i don't know it just it's it's a very kind of dystopian future that I, in my eyes anyway it really seems like you know you were talking before the show erica about transhumanism and i really think it does kind of you know go along those sorts of lines um yeah. Anyway, I find it disturbing. That's, <laughs> that's basically, I guess, my point. Well, understandably, Doug, and, and uh, like many things, like many of these new innovative solutions, <laughs> what, what they do is the way that they market it and the way that they get it accepted by the public is by capitalizing on their fears and appealing to their emotions, right? And that can be whether that is the climate fascism whether that is the coronavirus nonsense you know the lockdowns the mask wearing the stripping away people's rights but even when it comes to things like synthetic biology what they're doing is they're capitalizing on this fear that people have that we're dwindling the earth's resources and that we're mm. contributing to global warming and all of this kind of stuff and that actually um you know if only we had more of this technology then there would be no more human suffering we want to get rid of human suffering and we want to feed the planet, right? As if they couldn't do that already. I mean, anyone with two firing neurons could see that, you know, that would not be a hard thing to do if, if things are a little bit more equal, let's say, but ultimately that that's, they, they do this with the promise of those kind of lofty goals. Right. And that's, what's going to get people on board, but ultimately like there are, 
I mean, what potential risks could could there be for synthesizing a new organism, right? It's like, uh, you know, we're talking about kind of this this show. We talk about the the potential detrimental health effects of you know all of these well known man made chemicals. You know, you've got BPA, you've got phthalates, you've got plastics, you've got all of these other kind of toxic things. And then what 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 could potentially be you know go wrong when you are synthesizing an organism you're taking some genetic material from one thing and another genetic material from another thing and you're not only kind of engineering something that already exists but you're creating something fundamentally new novel right and you think like you introduce that into the environment like these genetically engineered mosquitoes but now they're talking about engineering nanobots like creating new species new organisms and what's going to happen to the local environment when that gets out and starts maybe proliferating and then affecting the the ecosystem as a whole i mean it's kind of like the stuff out of that you see in hollywood movies you know mm-hmm. like the dystopian end of the world movies it's like when it's 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 when arrogant scientists try to play god that the the, the big mistakes happen like uh, it brings to mind the, the theory 28 days later. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's, oh, yeah. a, it's a zombie apocalypse kind of movie. And it, it comes a, comes about when they're, <laughs> they're genetically engineering a, a rage virus and they infect monkeys with it. And the monkeys get out <laughs> and they end up killing everyone. Or the monkeys infect other people and then the, the people turn into zombies and end up killing everyone else. And that is the end of the world scenario. And it just makes you wonder whether, whether if they continue playing around with this synthetic biology, synthesizing new biological organisms, trying to play God, you know, if this is, is uh, you know, potentially going to be humanity's downfall at some point. I think it's, it's entirely yeah. possible. I wish they'd just stop it, personally. I wish they would just <laughs> put a stop to it. <laughs> Fix the problems that we already have. Don't make new problems. Yeah. Because that appears what, what, what this kind of... Well, this has the potential to do anyway. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that maybe that movie was a little bit of predictive programming, right? Well, and addressing what you were saying, Elliot, the the woman I was talking about that won the Nobel Peace Prize for this is Jennifer Doudna. And she actually came out and said, you know, a few years ago um, about how I guess I worry uh, about a couple of things. I think there's a sort of potential for unintended consequences of gene editing in people for clinical use. How would you ever do the kinds of experiments that you want to do to ensure safety? And then there's another application of gene editing called gene drives that involves moving genetic traits very quickly through the population. And there's been discussion about this in the media around the use of gene drives for uh, insects like mosquitoes to control disease. On the one hand, that sounds like a desirable thing. On the other hand, I think once again, one has to think about the potential for unintended consequences of releasing a system like that into an environmental setting where you can't predict what might happen. Yeah. So she she was the creator of this and she she's in numerous articles about CRISPR-9 saying that yeah, well it's interesting but I don't know if it's safe. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And well, And they thing- already did let those mosquitoes out, so Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, one thing that they seem to be really bad at is actually 
foreseeing the negative, the potential negative consequences for their actions. You know, they seem to be really kind of short-sighted, you know, their eye is on the goal and they see nothing else. And it's unfortunate because, you know, once these things are out of the lab, there really is no turning back. You can't go up and collect all of the uh, genetically modified organisms that have been released since their invention. You know, go, oh, you know what? This is causing a big problem. It's actually uh, making, uh, you know, causing mutations and all the non-genetically modified stuff is picking up the genetic material from the genetically modified stuff. And uh, this is actually really bad. So let's all, let's go and collect it and, and, and do a do-over. It's like, no, you can't do that. Once it's out there, it's out there. You can't, you can't go back. And it, it seems really unfortunate that, that either they are ignoring the potential consequences or through their hubris, they just don't see it. It's like they can't, they can't see any, any negative consequences of this. It's almost like it is, it is kind of like a God sort of delusion. Complex. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like this idea that, that this is human destiny, right? Like that, that's our function on the planet is to create all these wonderful technologies and that we're going to save everything through our magnificent brains that come up with all these wonderful uh, technological solutions to all our problems. And it's, it's like, it's a, it's a form of blindness. It's, it's just not being able to see the, the potential and even likely in some cases, negative consequences. Mm. Yeah. I think we've seen some of that with, uh, GMO corn, actually, because, mm -hmm. uh, and Erica, you probably know more than I do about this, but, you know, the spread of the GMO corn genes into non-GMO corn has actually allowed Monsanto to, to go in and test farmers' fields and say, oh, well, you know, our corn genes is, are in your corn, and it's patented, and you can't grow it, and we're suing you because, mm -hmm. you know, look, we have evidence that you're stealing our corn technology, when it's really, you know, corn pollen spreads quite widely and uh, it's naturally spreading into uh, farmers farmers fields and um, basically infecting the um, non-gmo corn uh, genetics with the gmo corn genes from monsanto's frankenfoods and not only that but they've also bred a lot of the gmo crops so that the seeds of the um first or second generation of the crop uh, are non-viable. So the right. farmers can't save their own seed. They can't replant them because they won't grow. So what this means is that the farmers are then locked into buying their seed from Monsanto or whoever the GMO um, seed producing company is. So, you know, it, it gives them greater and greater control over their market. Uh, you know, you can, I'm sure that's the kind of like cold, lifeless language that they use, not thinking about the fact that this could be incredibly dangerous, you know, for the global population. Um, yeah, ter term Terminator tech is what Terminator they call tech, it. Right. Terminator, <laughs> that doesn't sound ominous at all. <laughs> <laughs> Who but came but up you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put on the tinfoil hat here, and and you know maybe that was the intention with GMOs, yeah. the first generation to, and I've been saying this for 20 years, like uh, contamination, mass contamination, like we just contaminate the entire food supply, and then along come these uh, synthetic bio companies 
that now like impossible foods or um what's the other one uh beyond i can't remember the memphis meats oh, memphis you know meats, so yeah. oh we're gonna we're going to you know don't be problematic with the corn and it's all contaminated because we're just going to create all new food for you and, so i didn't um, know that those companies were synthetic bio companies so not only gmo i i'm I bet you that a lot of people who are thinking, oh, I'll eat these wonderful impossible burgers because they're good for me. And I, I bet you that they don't know that those are GMO foods. Yeah. Well, doing research for this show, as I said, it was hard to find anything from like night 2018 currently about the science and where it's going. And even organizations like Food and Water Watch that usually kind of go to the meetings where they're passing these types of, uh, you know, regulations. So there was nothing, but I did go to the financial aspect, which uh, showed that top funded synthetic biology startups, uh, number two being Impossible Foods with over 500 million in funding. Uh, right below that is Moderna. Uh, they say biotechnology, genetics, healthcare, medical, and pharmaceutical with 483 million. And then down the list, Memphis meets food and beverage nutrition with 161 million. Now, you know, that's not billions, but still the, for like investors that want to make money, these are the kinds of things that people are investing in for, yes. you know, future payoffs. I don't know. It just is, uh, it's pretty creepy. It's, it's actually really creepy. Well, in this, in this article titled, um, not bot, not beast. Scientists create first ever living programmable organism, right? The one that was published on fizz.org. Now, in that article, they talk about the Xenobot. So the Xenobot is a new life form, which is neither a living organism or no, no, no. It's, it's not an animal, but it's also not a machine. So it's a... Uh, it's neither a traditional robot nor a known species of animal, but a new class of artifact, a living programmable organism. And so they talk about how they are less than one millimeters long and made up of 500 to 1000 living cells. They have very simple shapes. Some have squat legs. They can propel themselves in linear and circular directions, joined together to act collectively and move small objects using their own cellular energy. They can live up to 10 days. And so they're talking about kind of uh, what this could be used for. And they're talking that they may have great value. Xenobots may be able to clean our polluted oceans by collecting microplastics. Similarly, they may be used to enter confined or dangerous areas to scavenge, scavenge toxins or radioactive material. And so the way that they're painting these kind of things, they paint them as though there is no risk, right? As though this is something that, that could be really helpful for humanity. It's like, how did we get so far up until this point without Xenobots? <laughs> you know, how did human beings evolve without Xenobots? In fact, I mean, you think what could potentially go wrong? You introduce a nanobot, like a Xenobot, into the ocean and just let it go. <laughs> What's it going to do, right? What if it doesn't collect microplastics? What if it becomes incorporated into fish, right? What if it finds a way to, I don't know, to 
to replicate or what if it becomes incorporated into other living organisms and then they replicate like we don't know what this stuff actually does right when you're dealing with something so small and something kind of like seemingly somewhat intelligent but in and of itself then I mean, you. I think you could probably this. You could probably derail an entire ecosystem just by For introducing sure. something like that. I mean, thing is, if we think about even just taking one species from somewhere in the world and planting it into an ecosystem in another area of the world is enough to destroy that ecosystem, right? People who have taken, I don't know, like uh, tropical predators, for instance, and they have, you know, had those animals as pets and the, the pets might be let out into the wild where they escape. And then they end up like reproducing or mating with other mm-hmm. animals and destroying the entire kind of like mm-hmm. the balance in that system and these are already these are animals that already like are adapted to earth when we're dealing mm-hmm. with things that are not adapted to earth that are like fundamentally novel it just it just it just seems like such a risk when is it really necessary you know it's like this whole transhumanism agenda these 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 people who want to who want to kind of like implant machines into our brains and connect us with ai it's like mm. who in what why is this necessary and and who even wants this i mean i'm sure it's it's a very small minority of crazy deluded lunatics who are calling for this kind of stuff cuz i would i would probably bet my money on the fact that 99% of people are not even all that interested you know, they, they don't care about this stuff. Um, it's, it's really the, the crazy few who are making the decisions who, who are kind of, who shouldn't be left alone in a science, science laboratory, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Like Elon I know Musk. you don't want to get updates from your smart refrigerator <laughs> pinging you directly into your brain, Elliot. Yeah, I, 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 I don't really care how many eggs I need to buy this week. Right? I can work it out. <laughs> Well, I think it's anti-human. I really do. I think it's like we 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 can create better. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. Darwinism on steroids. I don't know. It's just kooky. I do have one last article to share, just kind of going on what you were talking about, Elliot. So this was from the Daily Mail in 2011, and it's could hackers develop a com- computer virus to infect the human mind? And you're thinking, oh, no, where's going on this? Well, they talk about synthetic biology and they talk about the guy that created it, billionaire entrepreneur. I love that they're always entrepreneur billionaires. Oh, and philanthropists too. Um, Craig Venter only created artificial life for the first time last year. So it's 2010. And he named it Cynthia with an S. <laughs> this is one of the most powerful technologies in the world. Synthetic biology, the writing of life. And um, he goes into how I advocate that cells are living computers and DNA is a programmable language. So just think about that for a moment. (laughs) And he predicts a world where we can print DNA and even decode it. But he warned viruses and bacteria send chemicals into human brains and could be used to influence or even control their host. A little literal virus injected into a host in the guise of a vaccine, say, could be used to control behavior. So I'll let y'all speculate on that. Daily Mail. (laughs) In a vaccine, you say. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to sound like a kooky, crazy person, 
But these are just things that, uh, you know, I've been out, you know, we know that Bill and Melinda Gates looked into it years and invested millions in it too. So these are just potential scenarios to contemplate. You know, I do not think it's going to save the planet. I really think it's moved beyond food and farming into the realm of what Elliot was sharing, like just leaving these guys alone in a room to create their own children slash artificial life is frightening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what? I I think that it's kind of like, it seems as though for these guys there, there, there is no natural order of things, you know, there's no higher power. I'd imagine that they're all diehard atheists, right? They believe themselves to be gods. And in in a way, I mean, if we look at the kind of a more rounded view of, of kind of what Satanism might be, right. It's like these guys, there is no God above them. There is no higher power. There is no higher intelligence. They, they seek to be that. Right. And, and so it's like a, a, a sheer, it's, it's like a, not a disregard, but it's like a, 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 a defiance, a defiance of creation. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it kind of seems like it is. It's like putting your fingers up to creation and saying, I can do better than you. Yeah. Right. And in fact, I'm going to do better than you. And if it means destroying everything, well, I don't care. Cause you know, that it's like, a, it's almost like a power thing that these guys have going on with them. That's what it seems like. And uh, I don't think, I don't think that, um, that, that, that it's going to spell good things if it carries on the way that it is, whether it will get to the point where they do destroy the earth or whether the earth will destroy itself before then, who knows? But, um, but ultimately it's a very dangerous set of cards that these guys are playing with. I think. Psychopathic. Agreed. Yeah. When it comes to food, Erica, do you know if the organic food label um, is still something that people could count on to exclude GMO organisms? It's supposed to, right? So theoretically, or something that's labeled organic, um, you know, unless it's obviously there's an issue with contamination potentially, but at least they wouldn't be knowingly using GMO or or SynBio. I'm not a hundred percent sure I'd have to go back and look, but I'm from following the organic standards and how they're constantly being tweaked and changed. And um, especially with synthetic biology, I think that they're included because they're not, because they're, they're labeled general or they're, they're categorized as generally regarded as safe. That grass categorized, sorry, I can't talk. Um, and I know that like organic consumers association, these kinds of nonprofits have been trying to really spread the word about this, but as we can see, it's really kind of, especially now with COVID and everything, like all of these little grassroots organizations have pretty much just had their legs chopped off. They they don't, you know what I mean? They're, they're not really being heard. It's not really a concern, you know? I'd say like with the, with the synthetic biology, really the only way you can tell, but like with the vanilla is that it's calls it vanillin, you know what I mean? But you wouldn't know that unless you went down this quite scary rabbit hole of uh, these types of things. And as Doug was saying in the beginning, I know orange juice, grapefruit juice. So it's hard to say. Um, I do think that the organic industry is compromised. Um, but I don't know. I think you're better off just squeezing your own oranges if you got them. And like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's just, it's not looking good. 
I'll put it that way. And especially with these big biotech companies that have so much money and so much control, like Moderna being one of them, you know, it's, it's like um, David and Goliath as far as the battle is concerned. It's the little guys like, hey, watch out, you know, be careful, inform yourself. So I don't know. But as always, I'm the optimist. So uh, I think that we can arm ourselves with knowledge that we can, um, you know, just watch very critically about all these articles that we all read every day anyway. And these little things, you know, I'm thinking about the Moderna stuff like, hmm, well, this is their background. They obviously support CRISPR-9 technology. So what does that mean? What it, and it's not like they're all proprietary secrets, right? So it's not like they're going to come right out and say, by the way, you know, we've been tweaking DNA strands and, you know, mm-hmm. they're not going to be forthcoming, I think. Mm-hmm. But you guys got anything else? Any other uh, strategies for not becoming a little... <laughs> nanobot (laughs) right well i like to think that as you know uh i guess our bodies are capable of healing we're self-correcting organisms and you know going back to what y'all have been saying about the hubris and god complexes that some of these guys have and you know tinkering with things that they don't really understand um the optimist part of me wants to believe that our we're a lot stronger and more resilient than we're led to believe, you know? So we've survived quite a bit of exposure to this sort of thing already. And, um, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're stronger than we think and stronger than they realize. Yeah. Well, said. I do really think uh, information is, knowledge is protection you know just knowing just being a critical consumer you know and paying attention to all the little small things is very important so yeah well if you all have nothing else to share uh, that's our show today um thank you co-hosts thank you listeners please like and subscribe we hope to come next week with another interesting topic as of yet we're not sure but seems daily uh the world changes and we got to try and keep up so uh thank you for joining us and i hope you all have a wonderful day bye everybody bye see you next time